Uh, so we got them uh, in the white and the blue. There, there's not many left, so uh, you're getting down to rocky bottom there. If uh, you want another one or have one that you'd like to give away, if you see someone loving like Jesus, put it right here, or the wristband has the address. Uh, send it. Uh, we're going to make one adjustment, okay? And, uh, you know, anytime you're trying something new, sometimes you give something a try and you say, uh, let's give that another uh, shot and do it a little different way. I, I've been naming names up front, and I realized um, uh, that we've actually been embarrassing some of you. <laughs> uh, and I've realized that some of you are a little reluctant to tell us about loving like Jesus for fear that you're going to tick somebody off because you spotted them, and now their names are going to get... Anyway, so here, here's the deal. Okay, first of all, I'm sorry I was wrong. Would you please forgive me? Uh, yeah, sometimes not the sharpest pastoral knife in the drawer. Uh, but anyway, uh, he can be taught. That's another good thing to learn. Uh, so we're going to make the adjustment. We're still going to talk about examples of people loving like Jesus. We're just going to leave them anonymous. And instead of saying names, we'll probably write you a card and say, well done. So it'll be much more of a private thing, okay? So that's, that, that's the adjustment that we will make. Uh, here's a couple sightings this past week, which uh, I, I think is, is wonderful. Uh, someone was up at the hospital. There was a patient in the hospital uh, and his wife, and uh, next door and in the bed was a husband uh, who was going to have major surgery uh, the next day. Anyway, um, what happened is they were going to get dismissed, and this husband and wife with little baby uh, didn't have anywhere to go. Husband's having major surgery the next morning. And here's, here's the deal, and I like this. They loved like Jesus, and they said, why, why don't you and your baby, why don't you come home with us tonight? And uh, we'll take good care of you. We'll feed you some dinner. We'll feed you breakfast. We'll get you back up here so that you can be here in time for your husband's surgery. Wouldn't you say that's loving like Jesus? Yeah, yeah, that's good stuff, yeah. Pastor Brandt, uh, he reported about one of his leaders who every week stays behind, shuts lights off, locks up without anyone ever asking him. I think that's the, the cool part. It wasn't like, well, you do this, he just does it. And Pastor Brandt said in almost every Sunday, he grabs Christine and I and says, Come here as we leave. I, I want to pray for you. And he prays over Pastor Brent and Christine. And, and he says, you know what? Uh, to have that leader uh, as a part of the ministry, I love someone who's consistently loving like Jesus. Isn't that good? Nice stuff. Yeah. Thanks for that report. I'm not afraid I'm going to embarrass him by mentioning his name, just so you know. Okay. Uh, uh, last report is that uh, I, I heard from several who saw many in our uh, church family bringing carloads of children to Awana on Wednesday nights. And it was reported that many of these children come from unchurched families. So just pause for a moment and think about that. We've got children being driven here. Uh, they're learning songs about Jesus, hearing stories from God's Word, even memorizing God's Word, uh, and just having a blast on Wednesday nights. And our prayer is that many of these young children will become followers of Jesus over time. And, and I, I can't think of anything that's more like loving Jesus 
than looking out for the little ones like Jesus said we should be. So well done for those of you who are making sure those uh, children are getting here on Wednesday nights. Thanks for loving like Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. 25 days, Myron. 25 days. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, just give you one real kind of funny story. Uh, I also heard uh, someone uh, had problems with an area store. Can't imagine that. Uh, but anyway, uh, they, they were going to go to make something right that, that the folks at the store had messed up. And he said, I'm, I'm, I'm going to go and I'm going to be firm and I'm going to be strong and I'm going to make this right. So he goes in and he asks for the manager and he's wearing his Love Like Jesus bracelet and he, and he walks in and the manager says, you go to Walloon, don't you? <sighs> Bugger. He says, now I can't be mean and nasty. <laughs> now I got to be kind. And he says, yes, how did you know? Because I was there when they were passing out those blue bracelets. And uh, suddenly now uh, it became a very kind and civil conversation. So again, there, there's power in these little blue uh, wristbands, y'all. So you might want to get one of those. Okay. Uh, question. What is good for us? What's good for you? What's good for me? Uh, when the surgeon says, I think you need some major surgery, uh, it's needed, it's necessary for you or for a loved one, here's my question. Is that a good thing? Is that a good thing? Because you realize it's, it's going to involve pain and shots and staples and IVs and bedpans, Peter, and catheters, God forbid, and months of recovery and difficulty. So could major surgery be a good thing? And, and the obvious answer is, well, if it's needed, if it's necessary, if it's perhaps even life-threatening, yes, of course, that's a good thing. To go through a really long, difficult process, it, it's a good thing. It's not going to be fun. It's not going to be easy. But uh, it's going to mean better living in the long term. Yes, that can be a good thing. Let me give you another uh, question. Um, you just discover that there's going to be another baby in the family. Uh, you discover that uh, you are, are pregnant and now morning sickness has started. And maybe you know that means not just short, but a long process of not feeling well and lots of pain and lots of discomfort and six, eight, ten, twelve hours of intense labor and contractions and pushing and major pain. Here's my question. You ready? Is that a good thing? Is that a good thing? Um, most moms and dads, when they're afterwards holding their little uh, miracle from the Lord, would say, absolutely. That's a really good thing. Okay? So here's the key with each of those three examples. What's good for us, if you're taking notes, this is the major thought. Okay? Here we go. Uh, what's good for us often involves tears and pain and sweat and great difficulty. See, in our heads, at least in my head, I think if it's good, it's got to be fun and easy and skippy and smiley and pleasant, right? Uh, 
But we're going to see today in the life of Joseph, in God's Word, that oftentimes God's good plan is not fun, is not easy, is really hard and difficult, which means, give me your eyes, sometimes when the Lord brings trouble and pain and difficulty in our lives, He's actually trying to accomplish good things in and through us. So, so we've we got to make that adjustment in our heads and our thinking. Because otherwise, uh, when, when bad things come and difficult times and tears and sweat and, and, and trouble comes, I, I'm thinking, why aren't you here, Lord? Why are you allowing? Because a lot of times, good things come gift-wrapped as trouble. Uh, we are uh, working through the story, and that is uh, a uh, one-year program, at least the school year. We're going to go from September till June. I think we have about 30 copies left, and uh, you're getting near the end, y'all. So we are going to be uh, making those available, five bucks, uh, back at the table. Uh, I'll say it again, if you can't afford it. Uh, just tell them Pastor Jeff's buying my, my copy, okay? And I mean that. So you don't let money be the reason you don't grab the story. And that way you can read along. It takes about 15 minutes on average to read a chapter. And uh, we'll work all the way through 31 different chapters. This is straight from God's Word. Uh, we'll uh, work right through God's Word. Uh, week number one, we talked about creation. And we said, in the beginning, what did God do? He created what? The, boy, you guys are a little sleepy today. Yeah, 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 wanted to sleep in. In the beginning, say it with me, what did God do? He created the heavens and the billions of galaxies spoke into existence. Billions of stars in each of his billions of galaxies. He, he's a big and an awesome God, and he said, I want to know these humans that I've created. I want to have a relationship with them. And he created this amazing garden, and he said, have at it. There's only one rule, because I want you to choose me. I don't want you to be robots. Um, don't touch this one tree. And what did they do? Uh, they had to touch it. They had to touch it. Sin came upon humans, mankind. They were evicted from the garden, and suddenly now uh, God's plan to know and walk with and have a relationship with human beings is uh, destroyed by man's sin. So, so now what's God going to do to get that relationship back? Uh, last week he started with a guy named Abraham, and he's going to use a chosen people a chosen nation to reclaim mankind and reestablish that relationship through this chosen people, this chosen nation. And, and the patriarch, the father of this chosen nation was Abraham. And we saw that the Lord certainly tested this guy out. And he was willing to trust even when he didn't, didn't understand, even when he didn't like what the Lord was asking. Uh, today, if you have the story with you, we're on page 39. Uh, if you have your Bible, we're in Genesis 37. Or if you're really fancy, put one on each knee. you got page 39 on one knee, 
Genesis 37 in the other, and we're going to do a quick review of uh, Joseph's life. Started with creation, then went to Abraham, and the next chapter is all about this guy named Joseph. Uh, Genesis 37 says that uh, Joseph is his father's favorite son. Father's favorite son. Matter of fact, he's so much of a favorite that he gets this fancy coat, right? And, and you get to stand out from all of your brothers. And you are the chosen one. You are the apple of your dad's eye. Uh, Joseph is a bit naive. He's 17. He's, he's a bit of a dreamer. And he's dreaming. And now he doesn't even know enough not to share his dream with his older brothers. Because uh, the dream went something like this. I had this dream, brothers. And all of you were bowing down to me. Now, he's already got this fancy coat. He's already dad's favorite. And now he's telling them, I, I'm, I'm pretty sure that you're all going to bow down to me. And they hated little Joe for that. Um, Genesis 37 and verse 18, Father Jacob says, I want you to go check on your brothers. Okay? I want you to go check on your brothers. And when they see him from a distance, what do they do? Uh, I hate him. Let's kill him. And they plot and they scheme. They're going to kill little Joe. Uh, but for a while, while they're kind of planning out their scheme, they throw him in a well, a dry well. So he's not down there drowning in the well. So they're, there's plotting, they're scheming, they throw him in the well. Chapter 37, verse 25, they decide, you know what, let's don't kill him, let's make some cash instead. So they sell him into slavery and he's taken as, as a slave into Egypt. And you see him being taken away to a land far away. Um, his brothers take his fancy coat, and they, they shred it, and they pour some uh, goat blood. They kill a goat and put the goat blood, and they take it back to Jacob, the father, and say, uh, this is what we found. And obviously he assumed his son Joseph had been torn to bits by a wild animal. So now he mourns Joseph deeply. Uh, page 31 in the story, uh, chapter 39 in your Bibles, Joseph is sold as a slave to Potiphar. Potiphar would be someone suggested like the head of the FBI. He's been in the news recently. Uh, think of the head of the FBI in Egypt at this time. And it says, verse 2, chapter 39, the Lord was with Joseph so that he prospered and gave him success in everything he did. I should have paused for a moment. Okay, Lord, you allow Joseph's brothers to sell him into slavery. Uh, you allow Joseph's brothers to plot to kill. And then the ultimate abuse, I would say, is to sell someone into slavery. You allowed his brothers to do this wicked, awful thing. And now, Lord, you say, verse 2, uh, you're with Joseph and you're prospering him and you're giving him success. How, how do those two things go together? Uh, you allowed something awful and now, Lord, you're using that awfulness as a part of your plan. It's painful. It's difficult. 
What actually happened to him, I would argue, is evil, and yet God's using this, this evil to prosper him. And you got these two things going on at once. Uh, chapter 39, verse 6, uh, it says that Joseph was one handsome and muscular young man. Okay, so get that in your head, okay? Now, don't look at these muscles. Uh, uh, got a, one of those Cruzel uh, muscle guys around? No, I think. We'll get, anyway, anyway uh, his boss's wife took note. Uh, Potiphar's wife says, that's a good-looking guy. She makes several passes at him. He refused. Uh, chapter 39 and verse 9, look what, look what happens. Uh, I couldn't betray my master. Your husband is my boss. I wouldn't do an awful thing like that to him. And besides, I couldn't betray and sin against my God either. So, for two reasons, no thank you. And he resists her advances. Uh, chapter 39 and verse 11, uh, Potiphar's wife grabs Joseph's coat as he runs. He leaves the coat behind. She makes up a story, tells everybody, oh, this awful person, this awful slave attacked me. And Potiphar has Joseph thrown into the king's prison. Potiphar says, I, I believe you, wife. I, I believe you. And what an awful young man he is. And he's thrown into the king's prison. Uh, chapter 39, verse 21. Slide down there if you have your Bibles. Um, the Lord was with Joseph. Okay, Just got thrown into what? Prison. And now... Uh, the Lord showed Joseph kindness and granted him favor in the eyes of the prison warden. Pause again. <laughs> so, Lord, you allow your man, Joseph, to be falsely accused, and now he's in prison, but now, God, you're using this position in jail and prospering him. D did you notice those... You, you allow him to be lied about and tossed into prison. It's not looking good, but Lord, you're also using this false accusation. And now you're prospering him while he's in prison. Joseph is in prison with two uh, interesting uh, fellow prisoners. He's with the cupbearer, and he's also with the king's baker. Uh, and... Uh, He's there in prison, and they both have these strange dreams, and the Lord enables Joseph to be able to interpret some really strange dreams. Uh, and sure enough, he, he gives it exactly as it is, and the cupbearer goes back to the king, and guess what he does with Joseph? Totally forgets him. <laughs> Until two years later, uh, the king, Pharaoh, has this dream, and this really strange dream Pharaoh has, and nobody can figure out exactly what's going on. You'll notice he's got, uh, Pharaoh's got this dream, and he's dreaming about cows. Any of you ever had a cow dream? I don't think I have. <laughs> Maybe we will now. Uh, seven really healthy, uh, sleek, uh, fat uh, cows, and seven ugly, skinny cows. And what do the ugly, skinny cows do to the the really healthy cows. They have them for dinner. So, you know, it's like, what? What's going on? Uh, so Joseph uh, tells Pharaoh, verse 16, chapter 41, 
Uh, I can't interpret your dream. I love this, but I know who can. My God, the God of the Bible, the God I serve, I, I don't know what seven cows, good healthy cows and seven skinny uh, cannibalistic cows, I don't know what that's all about, but, but my God does. And uh, here's what he says. Here's the interpretation, uh, 41:29. You're going to have seven years of great abundance here in Egypt. Uh, but then you're going to have seven years of great famine. Uh, so here's the deal, Pharaoh. You need to find somebody who's going to prepare Egypt because in the next 14 years, you're going to have great abundance followed by great uh, starvation and famine. So you better get prepared. You better store up the first seven years because then the next seven years are coming. It's going to be really, really bad. Chapter 41, verses 39 and 40 uh, Pharaoh says, um, looks to me like God's working through you. I think you're hired. You're in charge. You're number two in all of Egypt. You're now the prime minister. And there you see Joseph standing next to Pharaoh on the throne. And, and it's just as the Lord revealed to Joseph, uh, it happened just that way. Seven years of great harvest, followed by seven years of famine, uh, meanwhile, the famine is hitting hard back in Canaan, back in the promised land. Chapter 42 and verse 3, ten of the brothers head for Egypt. Why? Because we're starving to death. <laughs> Go see if you can buy some grain so we don't starve to death. Uh, that's page 35 if you got the story going. And do you remember that dream back in Genesis 37? Remember where the 17-year-old dreamer told it, I've got this dream that you're going to bow down before me uh, in chapter 42 and verse 6. That's exactly what happens. They, they don't know it's Joseph. They don't realize it's their 17-year-old little brother, only all grown up now, but they're doing exactly what he saw in that dream. Okay, give me your eyes. Joseph is now 39 years old. He's been in Egypt for 22 years. Okay. They sold him into slavery 22 years earlier. He gives them some food, but after a while, that food, as food tends to do, what happens to food when you eat it after a while? You've got to go back to the supermarket. Well, now they've run out, and now the supermarket is back in Egypt. Uh, this time, he says, if you come back again, I want to meet the little brother. I want to find out if you're telling the truth. Actually, he wanted to see his full-blooded brother, Benjamin, uh, Genesis 44, Joseph tests the brothers to see if they're going to hang out Benjamin to dry like they did with him. They pass the test. They fight for Benjamin's life. Uh, and the test was he put a silver cup. Uh, then they bring him back, and now they're fighting like crazy for their little brother's life. He says, you know what? They've learned they're not treating him like they did me. And now it's time for Joseph to reveal himself to his brothers. Would you stand with me real fast, okay? I know we don't, we normally stand early, don't we? Isn't it kind of nice to stand late? Doesn't it feel good? Yeah, stretch out, yeah, reach to the sky a little bit. Uh, chapter 45, verses 3 to 8, let's read as Joseph reveals himself to his brothers. Ready? Here we go. Joseph said to his brothers, I'm Joseph. Is my father still living? But his brothers were not able to answer him because they were terrified at his presence. Then Joseph said to his brothers, Come close to me. When they had done so, 
He said, I am your brother Joseph, the one you sold into Egypt. And now, do not be distressed and do not be angry with yourselves for selling me here. Because it was to save lives that God sent me ahead of you. For two years now, there's been famine in the land. And for the next five years, there will be no plowing and reaping. But God sent me ahead of you to preserve for you a remnant on earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. So then, it was not you who sent me here, but God. He made me father to Pharaoh, Lord of his entire household, and ruler of all Egypt. Lord, give us insight to this perspective, this attitude that Joseph had on trouble. Lord, we need that. We need to be able to see trouble like Joseph saw it. So Lord, would you come right now and uh, through your word and through the power of your spirit, Lord, we welcome you right now to take charge in our lives. Take charge today in your church and all the church family at Walloon Lake said with one strong voice. You can be seated. Let me say what Joseph's brothers did to him was wrong and sinful and evil. So even though God took what they did and made it good, they don't get off the hook. Do you understand? Just because God can take bad stuff and make it good does not take the bad stuff that people do and, and get them off the hook. Because what they did was wrong. It had consequences. And we'll see they felt guilty. They were fearful. They were suspicious. There was pain. But here's the point. But our God used their sin-filled jealousy and envy to accomplish his good plan. And that's an awesome God who can do that, right? God used their sin-filled jealousy and envy to accomplish his good purpose. And what was it? Joseph says here, uh, The Lord knew what he was doing. He sent me on ahead to save and preserve his chosen people. Remember, that's what God decided he was going to, to reclaim mankind. He was going to use a chosen people, and Joseph's family was God's chosen people. His great-grandfather was Abraham. His grandfather was Isaac. His dad was Jacob, who later became Israel, and now you got Joseph. So he's like the great-grandson in all of this, okay? Joseph understood, chapter 45, verse 5, God sent me ahead of you. God, God knew what he was doing. He wanted to preserve his chosen people. And here's what you need to understand. Joseph survived and thrived because he trusted God's plan, even though it was painful, even though it was difficult, even though it was filled with trouble. He, he trusted God's purpose. Now, here's the obvious question we might have. Lord, couldn't you have done this a different way? <laughs> couldn't you have done this in some other way without making Joseph go through all of this trouble and suffering and sold into slavery and prison? Lord, couldn't you have had uh, arranged an interview for Joseph with CareerBuilder.com and maybe got him hired for, uh, with Pharaoh? Or, or couldn't you have had uh, an angel appear to Pharaoh and say, Pharaoh, yes, hire this stranger 
uh, named Joseph. He could have done it that way. So we, we ask, well, why didn't you do it that way, God? Give me your eyes. Uh, because Joseph needed the 22 years of struggle and strife to mold him into the man that God needed him to be. Tracking? Clearly, it was not fun or easy or pleasant, but to become a man of faith and a man of trust who could say, you know what, God, I know you know what you're doing, and I'm going to choose to trust you, and I'm going to watch your hand at work. And he, he not only watched so clearly, when he talked to his brothers, he knew exactly what God was up to. Now, after Father Jacob, Israel dies, okay, they, they all move to the land, okay, and they get the best of the land, and the brothers are fearful. Why? Dad's dead. What if the real Joe comes out now? And he's going to drop the hammer on us and vengeance, and uh, he, he's going to get us back. Uh-oh, we're in trouble. Go to chapter 50, and uh, I, I just want you to see uh, what he says there. Dad's dead. Now they're scared. Uh, when Joseph's brothers saw their father was dead, they said, what if Joseph holds a grudge against us, pays us back for all the wrongs we did to him? We're in trouble. So they sent word to Joseph saying, your father left these instructions before he died. Remember, this is what you're to say, Joseph. Uh, you're supposed to forgive us and the sins and the wrongs. Now please forgive us. Don't kill us now that dad's dead. <laughs> Verse 19, but Joseph said to his brothers, don't be afraid. Am I in the place of God? It's not my job to take revenge on you, brothers. Uh, you intended to harm me, but God intended it for what? To accomplish what he's now being done, the saving of many lives. So then don't be afraid. I'm going to provide for you and your children. And he reassured them, and he spoke kindly to him. Verse 20, it's one of those underlying worthy verses. Uh, you intended to harm me, but God intended it for good. Our God is so awesome that he can take a bad thing, your sinful jealousy, and use it for a good purpose. He saved many lives by taking your evil and using it for his good plan. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? Joseph could see the evil that his brothers did to him and say, you know what, Lord? I believe that you use that for my good and for even their good. You're, you're an awesome God. It's good to see your plan. Now, it wasn't fun or happy or pleasant or smiley, but it was God's plan. Now, there's a verse in the new section of God's book that's a lot like this. Um, Paul's writing to the church at Rome and he says to the church that's under attack and under persecution, uh, you know it as Romans 8 and verse 28. Would you read it with me? Here's what it says there. Read with me. And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who've been called according to his purpose. Now the good there is the word agathos. It means beneficial in effect. God works for the good, beneficial in effect for all of those of us who love Jesus. So it's not just Joseph. Give me your eyes. It's not just Joseph who God takes everything in our lives, even the ugly, hard, difficult, painful stuff. 
even in our lives, if we love Jesus, He's doing the same thing in your life and mine. And I'm telling you, that's a good truth to know. Because uh, there's a lot of things that aren't happy or easy or pleasant or smile city stuff. And, and it's coming into our lives and we can know, you know what, Jesus knows what he's doing. And it's not that those things are good in the sense that they're, they're not sinful. Oftentimes they're sinful, harsh, horrible, evil stuff. But he even takes that stuff and works it for our good. Our agathos which means all of our life, all of history, everything that goes on in life, it's not up to evolution, it's not by chance, it's not by the whims of some ugly dictator, it's not just by the, the arbitrary human choice, it's God, it's Jesus who's at work and in charge and working for our good. Is that not good to know? God is working in your... If you love Jesus, if you're a follower of Jesus, then God knows what he's doing. We might not be able to explain it right now. We not, might not even like it right now, but we can know, God, you know what you're doing. You're working agathos for our benefit, and we trust you. That, that's what Joseph was all about. There's a 17-year-old girl. She's out at the beach. True story. She dives in, and the water is way too shallow, and instantly she breaks her neck. And from her shoulders down, she's paralyzed. She nearly dies. They told her, you'll never feed yourself again, you'll never dress yourself again, you'll never get married. She wants to die. She's thinking, how can I end my life? She's so distraught. Could this possibly be a good thing? <laughs> Think about it. Could this be a good thing? Over time, Jesus heals her broken spirit. She learns to paint with a brush in her mouth. She sings. She speaks. She writes books. She's got a radio show that's on hundreds of stations. She gets married, and you know her as Johnny Erickson Tata. And she's touched millions of lives. Millions. God used a horrible tragedy to do what? To do agathos. He took a really bad thing, a, a teenager with a broken neck, and he did really good and powerful stuff through a really bad situation. So here's what I'm saying. I'm not suggesting that Genesis 50.20 or Romans 8.28 are easy verses to swallow. Uh, but what I am saying is, we better hold on tight to them. Okay? Um, because here's the promise, everything in our lives, the ups, the downs, the mountaintops, the deep valleys, the highs, the hurts, the promotions, the rejection. You know what? Jesus knows what he's doing in your life, in my life as well. Okay, so you kind of got two choices. You ready? And then we're done. Here's one choice. Be angry and bitter and really mad at God and everybody around you because of all the hard, difficult, painful stuff that you've endured. That's choice one. Or, like Joseph, you can say, you know what, Lord? I believe that you're working for my good. I don't understand it necessarily. I don't particularly like it, but I choose to trust you. That's choice number two.
And I'm just saying, for all of us, that will be the choice. And each time a difficult situation comes, you get to choose. Be angry and bitter and hostile and just, just let everybody know around you how miserable you are. Or you can trust Jesus. Bow your heads. Shut your eyes. You just need to know we all really have this Joseph choice to make. Because every one of us live in a fallen, sinful, disease-filled world. And there will be hard, difficult, painful, unfair things happen to you, to me. So what's it going to be? Despair, frustration, anger, bitterness? Or will you choose to trust God's good plan that he's working out for you, his, his agathos for, your, for you? I just want to close by asking a question. Anybody right now in the middle of the struggle, pain, trouble, difficulty going on. Anybody say, uh, would you pray for me that I'll choose Jesus and trust and not anger and despair? Anybody? I'm not going to call you out. I'm just going to pray for you right where you're at. Yeah. Anybody else? Lord, pray. Just, just pray. Pray to the Lord for me that I'll choose to trust Jesus and his plan and, and not just be filled with bitterness and be angry everywhere I go. Anybody else? Because we do live in angry days, do we not? Thank you, Lord, for the reminder from Joseph's life that you know what you're doing. And I pray for my friends who right now are in the middle of the struggle, right in the middle of trouble and difficulty and pain. Lord, would you help them to have the faith to hold on tight to you? Lord, help them to believe down to their bones that you know what you're doing. You got a good plan. You got a good purpose. And even though what's happened to them might be unfair, nothing to do with them, it wasn't their fault, you still are the champion of taking hard, terrible stuff and making it good. We love you. We're grateful for this central truth of God's Word. Lord, I want to pray for anybody here today who, who doesn't know your son Jesus. Might they realize that uh, until they become a follower of Jesus, uh, this, this promise really isn't for them. Might the fact that you're working all things together for good for those who love you, might that be something to draw them to yourself? Might they realize, Lord, they need you front and center in their lives. We pray all of these things in the awesome name of your son, Jesus. And we choose to reserve that word for Jesus. Some of you may need some, uh, someone just to listen and love on you. Prayer chapel's open every Sunday, off to the right. Please know that. Uh, preacher went a little long today. You're certainly welcome.
to stand and sing with the band, but uh, you're dismissed. Thanks for coming.